This is the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast from Advanta IRA, where we show you how to explore investments beyond Wall Street and open your eyes to new options for your portfolio. It's time to take control and give yourself the freedom to choose where you invest your money. Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. My name is Alex Perny. Today, we are pleased to welcome on David DePong with DePongRealEstate.com and a bro- and a real estate agent with Compass Realty as well. David, thank you so much for being on with us today. Give us a little bit about your uh, background. I know everyone kind of has an interesting story of how they got into real estate. Not too many people go to college and say, hey, I'm going to study selling real estate and helping people you know, achieve the American dream. So uh, you know, we have a lot of real estate investors and uh, real estate professionals on this podcast. So always interested to know how you kind of got to where you're at. So uh, thanks again for being on with us, David. Great. Thank you, Alex. So I've been in real estate a bit over seven years now. I was actually a private chef more than a decade ago when I came out to Los Angeles. And what I learned was I'd get paid a lot of money for a job like that. But I didn't really learn how to leverage my own finances into anything. When you have a job like that, you work a lot, you get paid well, and you tend to spend it. So I really wanted to switch into something long term that where I could not only benefit myself and work less hours, but also help people in the same way. I'm providing a service. I'm providing a need. So I got into real estate years ago and I just started loving it. Like this is especially where I am, Los Angeles, Orange County. It's a tool that can offer you financial freedom without ever having to create or sell a million dollar business, achieve anything out of the normal besides paying your own monthly mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's definitely kind of an interesting opportunity that real estate gives people because, you know, you don't need the, you know, fancy degree to, you know, get into it. You need to understand some things, obviously, but, um, you know, I think everyone kind of understands real estate can certainly build wealth and everyone needs a place to live. Uh, and you know, as long as you're able to talk to people and convey messages and you know act with integrity, typically you can do all right in real estate. So it's uh, definitely interesting to see again, you know, per- someone coming into it from a personal chef. I've had people that have come in that have been police officers. I've had people that have come in that have been you know immigrants to this country with five dollars to their name and built multi million dollar uh, real estate empires. So it's always cool to see kind of you know where people come from in real estate because it is. Not like talking to a stockbroker where it's like, okay, well, where'd you get your degree in finance? You know, where'd you get your degree in economics? Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely interesting mm. to see that background. So in the preface to this conversation, when we initially spoke, it kind of uh, brought up some interesting points of, you know, kind of what we want to talk about is that especially, um, you know, in high population density centers, you know, especially for places like LA that you, you're in or places like Miami and Florida or New York City or Chicago or places that are, you know, have perennially perennially been very high price point markets that really do nothing but continue to go up in price because people continue to live there in such high numbers. Um, you know, the path to home ownership that's that is is getting kind of harder to identify for a lot of people. And, you know, obviously rents, you know, it's, you know, you're not building equity. Um, you're not really getting to the place that you want to be uh, in very fast. So uh, you've kind of developed a few things that, you know, tend to help people in that scenario. So let's kind of dig into that because that's what I really want to talk to you about. Okay. So a lot of people take a look at the, the people's hardest issues with becoming a homeowner is one that they don't believe they can. 
And two, that they're not willing to, if it's not going to happen within a certain amount of time, like a year, they tend to be unwilling to plan that far ahead. It's a lack of long-term planning that I think we can change with some basic educational tools. And that's just not something you see when people are younger. So a lot of my job is just educating people because there's always going to be people who just have the money and get gifted the money from their parents and can come sure. with 30% down like at any price point. But the average person is building wealth from zero. They're not building wealth from an extreme place of power. So in my industry, with the prices the way they are, there's a lot of 3% down, 3.5% down, 5% down closing cost assistance loans that are for lower income individuals or people who might not have access to the 5, 10, 20% down payments. And those programs typically require a little bit longer of prep. So you might need to file your taxes a different way for a year, or you might need to get in line for this program that covers people's down payments and closing costs. But the line for that program is eight months out. So these are really things you have to get connected with an individual, a real estate professional, somebody to help you two years before you want to buy, a year before you want to buy. So that at the very least, even if it takes longer than that, you've had somebody there who knows your situation, who has you applying to everything that could possibly help you, who's there to help you with the accountability of just believing in yourself and taking the action to become a homeowner. Sure. So let's talk about, you mentioned some of these types of programs. I think, you know, the big ones that come up, people think about, oh, you know, you have FHA loans and, you know, I'm not really familiar with too many of the other ones just for the course of my professional career. I don't really run into a lot of, um, you know, kind of the the owner-occupied property uh, realm. So, um, you know, you're talking about these things that people need to start with a pretty good runway. And, um, you know, again, a lot of people, you know, kind of think, you know, hey, if I'm buying a house, you know, maybe it's a, most of the time people think, hey, it's going to be maybe a three-month process or a four, maybe a six-month process at the at the worst end of the spectrum. Um, so when you say something like, hey, you know, you might need to start this a few years in advance, you know, that might be a little bit of a shock to people. So let's kind of break that down of, you know, maybe why you need to start so early and what are some of the advantages and the reasons why people, especially in places that have such high price points where you need to take advantage of different programs, what the benefits and the reasons why uh, you said those kind of things. Okay. So to first cover the why you'd want to start in advance. If you're in your 20s and you're going to college and you're, you, you're in the position of your life where you probably need to sleep the least. You're able to work the most. You still want to have fun, but you have the least amount of bills you're ever going to have. You don't have kids. You don't have responsibility. So if you start planning to buy a home when you're early 20s, 23, 24, and you just put away 300 a month or 200 a month for those few years before you expect to be able to afford the monthly on a home, you could come to the point where you have that 5% down by your late 20s and your first property is well and achievable. You get, a, you get a good job out of college and you already have the funds. You don't even have to think about it. It's just a logical conclusion that you put a down payment on this property so that you have something. 
a lot of people start thinking about it when they have the when they're pregnant with the kid or when they have the need or when they've already run out of space and it's like okay well what have you done well we haven't really done anything yet so now we have to work backwards from the goal of buying to how much funds you'll need if you qualify with these two programs to how much can you save each month and we build out this plan for you and at that point yeah it might be a little shocking to say like well based on what you're achieving right now it'll take three years to get there or if somebody works an additional job two days a week a year and a half and you save all of that money to get you closed another thing is we're in a we're back in a market with higher interest rates like your dad's or your grandparents market who may have been buying in the teens in the 80s so you have to plan for more of a starter home in this market meaning you have to buy something that you may not necessarily want to live in or you do want to live in and turn it into a rental and just keep it for the next five to ten years because that property will turn into the down payment funds and savings you need to buy your forever home. So you're basically committing to doing a little extra planning in these five years so that every year after the age of 60 is better mm -hmm. so that you can have multiple properties by then so that you have options. If financial issues or challenges or opportunities come up that you would need to have a large sum of money in, well, once you have the property and it achieves that breaking even point, it's just now saving up money for you to use on other things. No, yeah. So absolutely. some of these go ahead. So some of these programs are like the neighborhood association loan, the NACA loan, NACA. It's a loan that works in California, but it requires you to go to a webinar and to work with a lender that they approve. And then you have to tell them I'm your agent and I have to communicate with them. And that loan, the NACA loan, couldn't take 12 to, I've seen it take 18 months for somebody to finally get their meeting to then get most of their down payment and closing costs covered. So in the meantime, even if you are trying to save, what do you have to lose by being in line and doing the few hours of work you need to do for this loan that could change your life? Sure. So what's the, um, give us a little bit more information about what a knock alone is. Cause I've never heard about that. Like what are some of the uh, things that go into that? Um, you know, is it, is it an income threshold loan? Is it for only people yes. in specific areas? Um, you know, what do you, what does it take to qualify for that? And you know, what kind of properties could you potentially purchase with it? Okay. So it's more of an income specific loan. There's another loan, the LIPA loan, the LIPA. It, it's a loan, a low income assistance loan for Los Angeles in particular, but NACA is more of a California-wide loan where they first make sure that you've made all of, even if you're not saving, you've made all of your payments on time for the last two years, so they, they know you're reliable. They make sure you have at least a minimum credit threshold. They make sure that you've gone to the seminar, that you've filled out all the information they need from you, and then they put you in line, basically. So if you make enough money to qualify out of it, let's say, you can still use an FHA loan, which is three and a half down. You can still use a conventional 3% down loan. You can, there are still some lender programs that pay for your closing costs, but this loan is for the people who absolutely can't do that. So all you need to do is basically do ed some education and 
make sure you don't miss a payment on anything for a certain amount of time and they will attempt to help you buy a loan. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. So what do you know off the top of your head what the income limitations for that type of loan are? So I believe low income in LA right now is 70,000 or less. For a household or individual? For an individual. Okay, so gross 140 household. I'm assuming they double it for a household, right? If you're married or not. No, if for, if for a, a two person household it's close to 100k per year okay so, so it doesn't double quite you know but it goes up by segments depending on how many people are working and i'd have to take a look to know what they are right now but yeah yeah i'm at sure, any given sure. time yeah they sure change they, yeah just for inflation <laughs> yeah and then uh what's the maximum amount of that loan so like what how big of a property can you buy with that so they want you to buy an owner-occupied property which typically means condo mm -hmm. home duplex they don't uh, Hypothetically, you can use it for a three or four unit as long as there's a vacancy that you can live in. But it gets harder because you have to make sure all of those rents are covering some of the mortgage. So they'll start using, okay, you want to buy a duplex and the duplex makes $2,000 a month on its other unit. How can we use that to qualify against your mortgage and to increase the amount that you can qualify for just in case duplexes start like... In LA, they started about 600, even if they're in, let's call it less than great condition. Mm -hmm. So it's all to help the buyer qualify for as much as they would need to get something. Sure. And they would cover, you know, you would come with one or 2% down and they would cover the rest. But then you, there would be more strict rules. Like you have to live here. Yeah. You can't rent it out. This would be, you live here for five to 10 years. And then when you sell it, you can get a new loan. You can use the equity that you've saved up to buy that next property that you have much more freedom with. Now, what kind of restrictions are there for refining a loan like that? So there really aren't many. As long as you as long as you refi into another occupant loan and you pay it back, you're good. Yeah. So it's just you have to talk with them and go through lenders that they approve. Okay, gotcha. And then from there, is there a specific PMI component to that loan? Or is like, how does that bake into everything? So they, well, basically they lower it. So it's, it's a lower than a, like a, it's lower than a conforming or a high conforming loan. Yeah. So you get a, you get a better rate, you get a better payment, you get, they cover the cost for you. Yeah, but you no, have to live there. So you're trading yeah. all of that for having to live there. Yeah, I know for my wife and I's first house, it was our PMI payment because we couldn't quite get the full conforming 20% down. But um, yeah, it was not not a pleasant payment to be making every month. It was, it was a good chunk of money. Did you make it to 20% and refi your mortgage insurance out? Uh, so we, well, with our house, we made it to 20% and then got an appraisal out of it. And then we refied, uh, a few years back at like 2.75. So yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, we did it and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And now it's like, well, okay. Like, I don't want to like move, but I also don't want to buy like where I live, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, we, we missed like the very bottom of the market by a few weeks, which would have been kind of fun, but. What can you do? Well, you know what they say about timing the market. Yeah, if you think <laughs> you can time you the market, a... you've already lost. 
Yeah, you already have this home now. You're in the next step where you can say, okay. I mean, a lot of the game for real estate investors and just people in general with real estate, their portfolios never sell. So mm -hmm. if you don't have to sell that property, you can keep that loan. You can see what your property can rent for. You can use oh, yeah. an equity line of credit to put on a down payment on the next home you're going to need. But now you have all these options that somebody who just has money in the bank does not have. You have all the options to go, okay, well, how about we live here? How about we add a guest unit in the back? How about we take this money and we move? Or, you know, something happened and we need to pay for college. Like, how can we keep this loan and still take the money? You have all these options that just other yeah. that people who are renting don't have. Yeah, that's the big benefit to homeownership that, um, you know, I think is thankfully becoming much more apparent to a lot of people. Um, and even on the investing side of things, you know, it's that's what we deal with here at Advanta is, you know, the the benefit of not only doing it personally, but, you know, basing a retirement plan around tangible assets as well is, you know, hugely beneficial to people. And again, can't give tax or legal advice to people, but, you know, you know, they're not making any more real estate. Um, you know, if you look at any of the top I would say I would wager to guess the top thousand wealthiest people in the entire world. I would be shocked if if there was more than one of them that didn't own real estate of some form or fashion, and some yeah. in portfolio. You know, it's it's uh, there's a reason that those people do it, and you know, you don't have to be a, a gazillionaire to to uh, to get into it. So not to you know pontificate on the on the fun parts of what the rich people are doing, but you know that that loan is definitely interesting, and the fact that it does have some some you know more traditional components. And you said it was it three percent down that they have to come up with, or was it less? So it's it just depends on your situation. You the more you come down with, the more they can qualify you for. Okay, yeah. So sure. you know you need at least one percent. Okay, so one percent is the floor on that. Now, what yeah. was the uh, now what was the other one that you mentioned? It was a uh, so LIPA, it's a low income assistance loan just for the Los Angeles area that I haven't worked with in a while. So I'd have to refresh myself on the on the yeah. specifics. But basically, if you're low income and you're looking to buy a home in the Los Angeles area, the greater Los Angeles area, anything that's considered the city of Los Angeles, you can apply there and then start waiting in line and then come up with your lower down payment, closing costs, et cetera. And they have some just like with FHA, they have some more specific criteria that you need to adhere to when buying the home. But if your options are don't buy <laughs> or have to use one of these loans, then it's a little bit more laborious. Mm -hmm. The option has to be go through the steps and buy because we're sure. rapidly entering an age in LA and Orange County where if you don't buy something now, if you don't buy at least anything, something that you could fall back into if you ever needed a place to stay, rents will outpace your income. So you'll either buy something at some point in your life, at least one thing, or be priced out by the, by the time you retire. People might live to 100. Social Security, I'm not sure all that stuff is capable of funding the cost of living here for everyone, no matter how long they live. So at the very least, it's all, it's just a benefit that you have a place that you could always fall back on, a place that's always going to be filled with equity, a place that's in a neighborhood like LA, where historically, 
over the last 40 years has had almost a 7% year over year appreciation. And that's over 40 years. That's not like we're inflating it with like the last 10 years were about a 9% year over year. That's a crazy market. But you have to, you know, you know that at the very least, this asset will protect you from inflation, from other things that might cause you to lose your home or have to leave the place you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, you know, it's not an inconceivable thing, you know, granted with what property values are right now, you know, it's the, you know, the, the houses that in the area where I live here in Florida, you know, they're the, like the ones that, you know, I'm around and in and live in, you know, about half million dollars to you know, maybe let's call it like 375 to like 600 around that area, you know, granted they were purchased in the seventies or built in the seventies and the sixties and the fifties for 10,000, 20, 30,000. So you look at a 60 year runoff and you have multiple X's of your, of your capital. Granted at this price point, you may not see that, but again, to what you're saying, you know, you can't necessarily, you know, you have a tangible asset that can provide you utility, which I think is a big thing. You know, stocks and bonds can go up and down, but if you don't have a roof over your head, you know, that's all well and good. So, you know, having an asset with the utility and investing and not just, you know, your personal residence, but something that can offer you some type of financial benefit to, you know, whether or not you want to move and then rent it out, create an additional income stream. You know, the thing I really like about real estate that I truly believe in is the fact that it's an asset that offers utility. You know, it's not just something that gives you money because money is just an exchange tool. You know, it's, you know, money exactly. doesn't put a roof over your head. You can burn it and create heat. So <laughs> there's that. But yeah, there's you know, some potential energy there. <laughs> yeah. You know, but past that, you know, it's not going to, I, I like things that have utility. Um, and, yeah. and real estate definitely does that. And, you know, when we talked, you had mentioned kind of a, a general concept that you would that you had you know been proposing where it's you know again you're talking about people in low income with these different loans and while seventy thousand dollars means different things to different people across the United States that is definitely low income and somewhere like LA uh, somewhere like Los Angeles Orange County I know that for a fact we have some family out there and that's certainly definitely low income so when when you talk about that so let's say you know they qualify for this you kind of talked to me about, you know, being more of a stepping stone, kind of a, a, a rung in the ladder, if you will, to get to somewhere um, with an eventual goal of, again, not being the, you know, the home that you want to, you know, keep forever. So talk to me through that process a little bit about why, okay. um, you know, you, you, you kind of go with this, um, you know, trajectory. So it really is a tool that, for lack of a better term, can build generational wealth. So you might not be able to, enjoy your real estate funds until post-retirement. But if you say buy a home, which isn't unrealistic, buy any buy some kind of a home in your 20s. And then you buy another home within, or you you save up enough down payment within the next 10 years to buy another home. Well then 10 years after that, now you're 20 years out from where you bought the first home. And you probably refinanced the monthly payment down work to make that a better investment. Suddenly now your real estate is a rolling asset. So now you can take equity out of the first one, as long as it doesn't supersede what you could get for that property rent wise. So you can still always break even on that property or make a little bit of money and you can put a down payment in on the third house. And suddenly now, even though you're talking about buying three properties over 30 years, right? Not too fast. You have time to save. 
you have time to save your money, you have time to get promotions, you have time to do all this other stuff in your life. But by the time you get that third property, say you want your family to stay in that area long term, well, now every five to 10 years, your kids can take the equity out of one property and buy another one, put it down, buy something for their kids. And suddenly now you have three properties buying a fourth one, four properties buying a fifth and sixth one, six properties buying a seventh and eighth one. And the more properties you have, the easier it is, which is why you always see people with either a lot of properties or no properties. Somebody has to put the work in to start this wheel, to start this cog that's just going to create generational wealth for your family it might you know be a little bit harder on you you might be the first generation trying to build this type of wealth but your family is going to be able to stay wherever they want if they have a tool like this to leverage and that's really the benefit of what it is because you're already going to live all this time so why not slowly enact a plan that's going to benefit your family for the foreseeable future Certainly. And, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, trying to do this in, you know, an area, let's again, you know, focusing on kind of the market that you know and understand, uh, you know, you mentioned kind of buying one prop, basically one property a decade, which, you know, again, yes. I don't think is, you know, inherently unrealistic so long as that, you know, granted, you're trying to better yourself. It's, you know, not just something where you, you know, it's it's not something where you put in no, you know, there's there's no input on one side of the equation. You're gonna have to put in yes work and you know either try to double down and making real estate your career or you know work hard at your job, save money, be able to do this kind of um, thing effectively. But you know, are there any specific challenges that you would see from you know a, a place with a population center as dense as as Los Angeles? Because you know different areas have different issues. Um, you know, you have more people, you have more crime, you have more diverse uh, segments of everything. And not to say that crime is any worse anywhere than in LA than anywhere else, but, you know, just with more people, more things to, to kind of consider. Are there any types of things to, you know, kind of look at when looking at high population density centers? Because obviously no one wants to say, okay, well, this this theory sounds really good, but, you know, if the property, you know, all, again, all properties are not created equal, you know, buying something in the worst part of anywhere and expecting to be able to rent it if the tenants, you know, leave because there's, you know, bullet holes or floods or whatever the issues are, um, you know, what kind of issues do you see? And is it something where you like, you know, are you still contending with like shifting, you know, like neighborhoods and things like that? What are, again, what are some kind of issues so, that are maybe unique to that kind of population centers that you see out there? I mean, you're, you've hit the nail on the head to a certain degree. Like, it's doable. And in an LA, in an urban center where you, t you, you lower the risk by focusing on places with development in business and transportation. So a lot of the hangout is what you just said, which is like people remember that area not being as nice or people remember that area being a little more dangerous than Beverly Hills or Santa Monica, you know, but... Marginally, most areas are probably more dangerous than those high net worth <laughs> yeah. areas. So you have to look at this place as like, well, you might not have thought you wanted to live in Inglewood, let's say. But if you had bought in Inglewood 10 years ago, you would have at least doubled your, the price of your home. Because of all of the development, the stadium, LAX being so close, it being still relatively close to the west side. And 
now they're building transportation, a Crenshaw light rail line that'll eventually go all the way to LAX. Well, if you look at what happened in West Adams, which is a city just a bit east of the west side of LA, they built a tr light rail going from downtown to Santa Monica, and the properties within you know, a half a mile, a mile of each side, suddenly increased in value because you could now live there and work in higher net pay areas. So sure. you can focus on these areas that might not be as nice as you want them to be, but are close to the most development happening now, because those are the safest bet that even in a short-term downtrend of the market, the city's investing money here. This area will improve faster than just say, the next area, two cities over, that maybe not isn't maybe isn't getting the attention that these areas are getting right now. And yeah. you see it in any city we see development in in LA, because LA is spread out with a lot of cities. Development comes in, prices double, and then people move to the next most affordable city just down the limits. Yeah, certainly. And what I like the the point that you brought up that I think is a good thing for people to take away is that if you're looking for areas to invest in. Uh, you know, the the ability to have like a, a mobile kind of workforce. And again, you know, with how remote work is becoming, uh, it's maybe not as apparent, but still, you know, the ability to get easy transportation into an area that maybe didn't have it before that allows people to come from other areas quicker. Um, if it's in a emerging market or has the cheaper real estate per se, that's a huge benefit, especially in somewhere like LA where the traffic is horrendous um, or places, yeah. you know, pick places with bad traffic, you know, your LA's, your Atlanta, uh, Houston, you know, if you have places like that where, you know, traffic is terrible, but then you have something that either like a subway or a light rail or something that makes the utility of that property improve, that's kind of a permanence. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, well, they're not going to let it go down. They're yeah. not going to let the train fall off the tracks and stop yeah. using it. Exactly. And and there's laws to that, too. If it's public transportation, like they're under the hook to you know, maintain that stuff. So you have like built in utility to the property, as opposed to kind of establish utility in a place like Beverly Hills, where it's nice, everyone knows it's nice. It's got nice things. But like, you know, like you said, with Inglewood, which again, I don't know LA all that well, but I'm assuming it hasn't been a nice place for the entirety of its life. Uh, getting things like a light rail, getting things like a stadium proximity to massive international transportation, those are some things to look for. Um, you know, they're not kind of rocket science, rocket science things. And again, that's what I love about real estate is that anyone can see the benefit to that. Um, you know, you don't need to be an economics expert or know how to run crazy Excel macros. Oh, it's got good transportation. Oh, it's got new amenities. Okay, maybe I want to buy there. It's easy things. You don't to even do. have to get it right. You could buy three years on the other side of a downturn and still wait long enough and it will become a good investment. You just sure. have to keep it. So it takes, it sort of takes all of the, a lot of the guesswork out of investing of like, at least I have this thing and you can buy in LA with like the standard 5% down loan up to 1.1 million. And depending on your income, you know, of course you're going to adjust the budget to make a monthly payment that you can actually afford without overextending yourself financially. Yeah. But you can take this, and buy it with an owner-occupied loan, a lower rate than an investor would. And then you can live there for the first year. 
and then use another owner-occupied loan to buy somewhere else. Or you can rent that place out and go rent a thing in the city you want to live in and just know that this property that you have is something you're going to be actively investing in over the next five to 10 years. That, it, you know, even if the rents don't quite make up the monthly payment, you're actively investing in it. You're not wasting that money. That money's going to a purpose. So maybe you don't invest in something else the first two years, or maybe you don't travel as much those first two years, but you're investing in this thing that once you get it going, the momentum will take itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, to that point of, you know, finding utility where you're going to be utilizing programs and other, because there are plenty of programs, especially in high population centers. Um, and that's, a, that's a nice thing, you know, people, you know, complain about, you know, these places that are impossible to live in, you know, again, you know, your LA, Chicago's Miami's, um, but, you know, these are the places that get things like light rail systems that get things like large international hubs that get big stadiums. So, you know, yeah, it might be tough, but you know, there are tools out there to help people, and they get these kind of lo more lower income assistance programs for loans and things like that. You know, I be you know, places for like where I live, you know, we don't get it, even though real estate is going through the roof. But hey, you know, you can complain if you want. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's those are some of the kind of benefits. And it's and it's good to talk to someone that can, you know, kind of, uh, you know, literally, you know, literally talk about the things that people need to hear with regard to, okay, well, yes, it stinks, things are expensive, but there is a way forward. Um, you know, people, you know, it's not just BlackRock coming in and buying all these properties. It's not just these multi, multi-millionaires that own all these rental properties. There still is plenty of room for the mom and pop in these markets. And you can utilize this again to build that generational wealth and to get to where you want to go. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a lottery ticket. It's not overnight. You know, you're talking about buying a property a decade till you're 60. Um, but hey, when you're 60 and you have four or five rental properties, that's a great place to be. Yeah. And you're, I mean, it's not easy, but you're trading your time, which is the resource that you have and everybody has in place of their money. So you're trading time plus money to achieve the same thing. I mean, if you, if you come even if you bought it 500,000, like, which is a relatively affordable price point for LA, but you have six properties over 60 years, like you said, you're still, even if those properties never grew in value, a single ounce, which is, of course, they're going to, but you're still sitting on $3 million in equity once those things get paid off. Mm -hmm. First one gets paid off, second one, you can find a way to live off $3 million. <laughs> like you can figure it out to stay yeah, somewhere. And if, and if you can't leverage figure out, this, yeah, you know, if you do can't what you out need a way to, to. to live off that, then I don't know, maybe shame on you, but I'm pretty sure most people could, could figure yeah. that out. <laughs> um, most people you know, are not going to see that. So. exactly it's uh it's it, it's a that's a good problem to have um if you have three million dollars in equity in anywhere you live um but you know we're kind of coming up to the end of the time you know is the sure is there any kind of like parting things you know i think we've covered the again the utility of real estate you know some high level things about how to identify you know good places to buy buy first starter home to kind of springboard you into the home that you want to be for your ever home whether or not you want to continue to have multiple properties after that, or you just want to use that as kind of a cash mule for your life and being able to utilize that, um, you know, again, benefit rolling in frequency of buying properties. And again, some of those important, like uh, lower income home buying programs. And again, while the ones that we talked with you are about, you know, specific to LA, 
I, you know, there are definitely ones in other high population density centers, your, your Chicago's, New York's, Miami's, there, there are programs like that, that are specific to those locations to help people to, to afford homes in those places. So again, uh, with that said, what are some kind of parting words or any additional things that you'd like to, you know, add in? And then also how can people uh, get in touch with you and, um, you know, uh, get, you know, contact you with any questions? Okay, that's great. Uh, so I basically would leave you with three bullet points to take from this. Get in touch with a real estate professional that you trust or has done a great job for you in your area and ask them about these programs because, they're, you, like you said, there definitely are. The barrier to entry is that you might have to do some things and take six months to be able to qualify. Well, if you're not doing anything else, what do you have to lose? Just get out there and try to qualify for something that can get you into home ownership. The other things are, the second is just to believe that it's possible. Like, don't write it off. Because what a lot of people do is go, oh, properties are too expensive. I'll focus on that later when I have money. Just believe you can. Even if you're only putting away $100 a month or spending a half hour a month learning about how to buy a home, all of that will eventually add up. So you want to just prioritize you and your future. And the third thing is, what your professionals that you're working with can help you do is work with accountability. Cause I have some areas of my life where I have terrible accountability. If you have somebody who's set to check in with you every other month or three, four times a year or what have you, or you're saying either we need to make these goals or we need to figure out what needs to change. You're more likely to do something than if you're just trying to do it yourself. Cause I know nobody listens to, their own advice, but they'll always listen to somebody else who tells them that very same advice. So those are the three things I would want you to take away, like little habits that'll just help you make this process easier. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly, I mean, I think those are great points, but the last one, the accountability partners, uh, I am a big fan of if I, my buddies that I train with, if I miss a day at the gym on the mats, I am getting ridiculed mercilessly. Um, if, if I'm the one that does it and, and we feed it right back to each other. If and it's not mean, up, it's to get you there because they know you, you know, you, I would, you need the, it. the thing, the things that get thrown around <laughs> that group chat, they're, they're not very nice, but it, we get, we have a good laugh about it. And, uh, you know, we make sure we show up the next few days. So, uh, but yeah, no, I really do appreciate you being with us today, David. Um, it's, uh, Depong, so people, and you yeah. compass realty, anything else? No, if people want to find me, they can come to my website. My, I regularly post videos on social covering topics like this because I just want the general education to be out there. I'd love it if people came to work with me, but people <laughs> need to own their homes. They just need to, especially now when it's more of a investment in a commodity than it is just something that people are building too much of because they're not. They're building yeah. not enough. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. This Thanks for having another, me. Absolutely. This has been another edition of the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. My name is Alex Pernian. Tune in next week for more investing tips and strategies. Want to hear more episodes of the Alternative Investing Advantage? Search podcast at advantaira.com and subscribe.